Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another conversation with Carlton. I am joined by my esteemed guest, Roy Hawkins, Jr. He is the president of the North Market for Atrium Health. Greetings, Roy. What's up? How you doing, my brother? My man, my mellow Carlton. How are you, brother? I am doing amazing, man. You know, on vacation, uh, taking time out to talk to a good friend, but life is good, and I am extremely proud of you and elated to be uh, on this podcast with you today. Thank you. Thank you. You look you look like you're at a remote location. Tell the audience where you are right now. Brother, I am on my uh, two-week annual family vacation in Martha's Vineyard. We are here with surrounded by all this Black excellence and love and um, just here to unwind and connect and reconnect and disconnect and all of the above but yeah representing the uh, uh prestigious fraternity omega sci-fi that i'm a member of and uh brothers on the vineyard this week having a good time cool 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 so just so the world knows you are one of the few people in my life that i definitively define as a big brother um you and i basically came up in our own different ways in the healthcare industry. And, you know, with over 20 plus years of connection and friendship, I've learned a lot from you. Hopefully I've been able to drop a few nuggets for you to maintain. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I wanted you on because one, we always have a good time chatting, but as I stated your title, you are a leader personified, I'd say that you are a leader personified in the profession of healthcare. And take a few minutes to tell our audience what your life craft is as you define it. Man, you know, I, I it's amazing just listening to you just talk about our bond and our friendship for over the last 20 plus years. But I think one thing that's very special about our relationship is both of us grew up in the same environment. We grew up born, raised in Miami, Florida, 305. And, you know, I think from day one, that was a sacred bond that we shared growing up, understanding the challenges, um, understanding the opportunities, and also understanding the, the, the triumphs that we both experienced growing up. Uh, in Miami. So I, I'm very proud of that upbringing. Um, you know, spent time in Miami and then went to uh, undergraduate school at Howard University uh, in Washington, D.C. And there's really where I found this just new world of Black excellence and um, a, a love, an, an authentic love um, for our people, for our culture, for our race. And so that that's what's really the plateau, I think, for my career, finding organizations like NASI that then help to um, just make connections, lifelong connections with great friends like you uh, in the healthcare industry. But yeah, as you mentioned, I've been in this business for, man, 24 years um, in the healthcare industry. Oh, and old, old school, man, old and wise, man. I, I look back and think, you know, this year marks the 
25th anniversary for me graduating from undergraduate. So Ooh. I am getting up there, man. Ooh, not even so high school no more, huh? Carol City even. was even that much longer ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's, you know, I mean, it's going to be 30 years that you're high school. Man, I wouldn't change one thing about it, brother. Relationships and friendships with people like you that I've established along the way. But I think as you talk about my craft and my career, you know, I've been doing this since I'm um, a freshman in undergraduate at Howard University, interning through organizations like NASI, right? And being introduced to the field of healthcare administration. And um, I got the bug and saw that it was something that not only I enjoyed, but something that um, I was good at. And meeting people like you and others early on in my career, surrounding myself by other um, African-American Black executives in the industry um, is really, I think, is the foundation um, of, 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 of my journey. And now I am blessed, man. It's, it's not often in corporate environments that you get an opportunity to have a Black boss, right? And so I'm very honored and I'm proud to work with Eugene Woods, who's the CEO of Atrium Health recruited me on to his team a year ago next week, actually. And so now um, I've uh, spent a lot of time, as you know, as a, a hospital executive, the CEO of hospitals, and now I get the pleasure of serving as a regional president um, for, um, for Atrium Health with um, the scope of four acute care facilities, uh, five freestanding emergency rooms and four ambulatory surgery centers. And it really just gives me an opportunity um, to focus on the health and the health status for a community, a larger community of people um, in the Charlotte, um, Charlotte region. So that, that's the work that I'm blessed to, to do and I love to do. And um, again, it serves as a, a pivotal point in my life because I've had my opportunity to meet people like you um, during that journey. And you know what I, if not evident in everything that you've shared, the thing that I appreciate, well, it is evident, but what I do appreciate is the love and the passion that you give your job. You know, whenever we talk, yeah, there's frustrations, but it's never a frustration that I should be doing something else. I shouldn't have did this. I'm going to go somewhere else. You in it to do it. You in it to succeed, but not just for yourself, but for the communities at large and without a doubt, always in representation of where you, where we come from. So um, I appreciate that because as you, as I think about this work and the, the blessing that God has afforded me, it gives me an opportunity. My passion is mentoring. My passion is giving back. So it gives me an opportunity to do that on multiple levels, right? I have, you know, over 7,000 people that report up through me through some form of, uh, of, of channel. And so I get an opportunity to impact 7,000 individuals and then just multiply that by their families, et cetera. But more importantly, I also get a chance to bring those folks together to deliver world-class healthcare and to make sure that people in the communities that we serve um, have high quality healthcare, they have access to healthcare, um, regardless of their ability to pay for those services. And so it gives me an opportunity to do that on both ends, both with my team members and with the folks who um, we serve in our community. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a life love of, of passion of mine to do this work. 
Absolutely. And real quick, before I forget, shout out to Eugene Woods, who is also as extraordinary of a healthcare leader person that he is. He is also a musician. And we'll yeah. get into some music stuff, but I don't yeah. want to forget to give Gene Woods a shout out and tell everybody to go look him up, check him out. That's Apple, right. iTunes, Gene Woods, YouTube. I even think got some videos out there. Yeah, he's a he's yeah. a great musician. So check him out. Amazing. All right, my brother. So, um, what I wanted to jump into with, jump into it with with you is around the value of black organizations. Um, in our news, you know, depending on your vantage point, there's some that think there's an attack on black. There's a lot of conversation about, you know, white supremacy. There's a lot of conversation about, you know, diversity, equity. There's a lot of stuff in the stratosphere um, around black, white, and and how we do the things that we do on a daily basis. But you're acute. You went to Howard at HBCU. And where you and I met is through the National Association for Health Service Executives, which is a Black organization for Black leaders to help us connect in order to serve the underserved. And I just attended the Conference for African American Financial Planners. Mm -hmm. First time attending, did some coaching there, made some great contacts, great connections. But what I took away is that what our organization, NACI, does what CAAFP does is the same. It makes an effort to bring together Black leaders so that they can connect, strategize, and come up with an approach to the day-to-day in a world where we are the professional minority. Statistically across the country, I think Blacks, 12%, depending on where you are, that's what it is in Austin. But in the corporate space, we be, you know, we can be the percentage point of a percentage point with the same goals, expectations, objectives of our colleagues that make up the majority. So all that to say, um, how do you view the value of these black organizations, be it the school, be it the association, be it our Greeks. Man, I, there's so much to unpack there. Again, at 47 years old, uh, 25 years out of undergraduate school, and um, having uh, an experience um, in this journey on this thing called life with going to an HBCU, being a part of a fraternity, being a part of um, predominantly black organizations and navigating through the space of the majority, um, uh, our majority world, which is in corporate America. So lots unpacked there. The first thing I will tell you is the value of historically black institutions for me is simple. It is being around people who are like-minded, being around people of similar attainment and having an opportunity to discuss those challenges that we face um, in this journey, right? So that's really the value of it. It's not, you know, what I call, it's not a way in the water sermon, like, woe is us. How do we we reconnect, recharge, and forge forward, right? And so having that connectedness is very important, man. I think it's 
we all need it. It's, it's refueling and refreshing. I'll tell you, being here on Martha's Vineyard um, for the last two weeks, we have, as always, every year you come in contact with um, many different people, both black and white, from all walks of life. But I was having a conversation with the with a gentleman the other day, and he said, um, "Hey, you, you went to Howard. We're having a Howard event. Hey, you went to Howard." I go, "Yeah." He says, "Man, I, I I can't tell you. I can't remember one name of an individual from my undergraduate uh, time." And I go, "Well, that's sad, man. Because I'll take sure, look at the last seven calls." On 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 my in my phone or somebody from undergraduate or from Nazi or for someone who I've met along this journey and so the value of those relationships the value of being in a safe environment where you can share stories and seek advice and create lifelong bonds and friendship and I'm not saying that's the only I only have black friends right, right. that's not what right. I'm saying I think that there is. Um, there is a sacred relationship that I have with my colleagues, peers, and friends that I've met through um, these historically Black organizations, right? They, there is a shared experience there that I think um, helps to elevate and build us all. You know, I, you use the word recharge, and I think about that one. Um, when, you know, for NASI, it's conferences once a year. A lot of the associations amongst the business that they do throughout the year, there is a annual meeting of sorts. This week was uh, CAAFP's annual. And so that recharge, man, that that's the thing that I think was the most unexpected because, you know, for 365, you know, you're on the grind, you're doing the best you know how. Oftentimes, at least from a you know ethnic standpoint, you feel sure. the weight of being the minority. Don't have anybody immediately to discuss these nuances with. And I work with some great people, work for some great organizations. So I'm not necessarily suggesting that I'm on an island, but it's just some things that I want to talk about that they wouldn't necessarily have the empathy and understanding to discuss. So getting together, being with everybody, seeing everybody in their suits, smelling the colognes and the perfumes, seeing the, you know, the new suit styles. All of that melanin. All, get, of that, all melanin. that melanin and, and the, the heat that it generates, you know, because the yeah. room is a little hotter sometimes. Yeah. Um, but that, the knowledge, you know, coming across somebody who is on the other side of the country experiencing the same thing that you are and just being able to look at each other and be like, man, you too, that does something. And it and it's a stress release. It's a motivator. It's inspirational. But it, I have found that that, you know, those four or five days that we get to network and learn empower me and give me an energy that carry me forward unlike any other event or venue that I might go to you know a concert a play a movie yeah. you know those things work in the moment they're good for the night yeah. even you know maybe last a week but I find that the energy I get from Nasi that carries me if not 12 months for 10 11 of them because you know we Absolutely. get to that point where it's like man I need this I need to see my people right. I need to see y'all so it does come down but it also is real and when I was at CAAFP this week they hadn't met in person I guess over a year if not mm -hmm. two because of COVID 
and to be an outsider looking in, but to gain insight from each encounter, it was the same thing for them too. And, and so, you know, I think about the feedback that we've gotten in particular in the healthcare space where some have suggested Nazi isn't necessary, but I would, I would definitely say that it has a place. It has a purpose, plenty of more for us to do, but in terms of what it means to me, what it, what it's done for you, what it's done for us, it's, it's priceless. And I think, I would love to be able to not showcase that because it's not the show at all, but make others know that we're out here. If you're in healthcare, we're here for you. If you're a financial planner, we're here for you. If you're an engineer, there's an organization that's out there for you. And go ahead and go get that nourishment because that's what that's what helps you get through those challenges, overcome those obstacles. You know, no man is an island and it for sure, for sure takes a village. For sure. You know, I, I love listening to and talking about um, race, right? Because it's it's relevant, it's important, and it's uh, fortunately or unfortunately who we are as a country. You know, I'll tell you a story. Um, I, a couple months ago, you know, I'm, uh, working in Charlotte now, and so I got a group of guys that um, go to the gym. We do yoga. We kind of, you know, hang out together. And they they happen to be white guys. And um, we decided one day after the gym that we were going to um, meet up across the street at the mall, get some lunch. I needed to take some things back to um, to an upscale store, and and their thought process was, hey. We're in our gym clothes. We're a little sweaty. Let's go ahead and walk, like meet across the street at the store, um, and then have lunch. I go, guys. I'm going to need about an hour because I need to go home to my apartment to change my clothes, um, and then I'll meet you guys there. White guys looking at me. Why do you need to go and change your clothes? Well, I'm a six three black guy rolling up in Neiman Marcus. Okay. And the moment I walk in there looking this way, I'm going to be stereotyped. Someone's going to give me a side eye. So to avoid all of that, I'm going to go just, you know, get fresh and, you know, come in, walk in the place and make sure, you know, and, and having to explain that to, uh, there, there are many Black folks who understand that story. And, and I would have to explain it one second to them. But I find myself educating um, you know, my white friends and colleagues around the world that we walk in and how we have to view things and how unfortunately we have to make adjustments or readjustments to things um, just from an optics perspective, right? To help avoid some of those unfortunate stereotypes that come along with being black. And so the, to connect this to the Nazi or to the black experience, it's time for us to get together and not have to think about all of that or, you know, uh, or share strategies on how to navigate in the boardroom when, when, um, when people are, 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 are having stereotypes about us as a people. And so I think the value of those organizations, man, are priceless. Um, the networking opportunities are unparalleled. And um, for us, I think it's iron, iron sharpening iron. 
And um, I look forward to seeing many more organizations like that to support um, Black folks, but also the longevity of the ones that you and I have come to know and love for so long. You know, I want like, to ask you too, you know, about the HBCU experience. I go <laughs> Gators, University of Florida's predominantly white university. Um, but I, I always say I'm fam you affiliated based on all the homecomings I attended and my family sure. was going there. But I wasn't a student there. And 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 so as I look in the sports world, you got Dion at Jackson State really trying to push out or bring attention to the athletes and, and them choosing and the value that they might experience when they go to a, a HBCU. So in going to Howard and, and just having the connection that you do, I know every event, every anniversary, every reunion at Howard, you, you, you're there. That's the, how it's in your heart. How are you, what is your perspective on the role of an HBCU? Not so much for what it was for you and what it is for you specifically, but my son is, is be 13 next month. Your son will be going to college soon. What do you see the role of an HBCU as it stands today and for the things that we want for our children going forward? I love it, man. And again, I, I, I get chills just hearing you frame the question, right? Because the response is so multifactorial and I can share perspectives from um, various angles on the HBCU experience. I'll tell you a very real example that we're going through now. My son Dallas is 15. Um, and because of our, my wife and our collective success, Dallas goes to a private school in South Florida. Um, fortunate or unfortunately, he is surrounded by predominantly um, white people. Um, he navigates extremely well in that space. I'm very proud of him taking leadership roles, playing sports, being extremely bright and um, connected to he has friends um, from from all over the place, right? So I'm very shout out to Bianca because we know where he get it from. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Bianca, you're absolutely right. Um, and so I love it, and um, you know, but Bianca and I are very intentional about his experiences, right? So of course he's connected through Jack and Jill, where he gets that experience from. But the conversations we're having now, because some of the he's in tenth grade, and so some of his friends who are in eleventh and twelfth are going to some of the um, predominantly white universities. And it's no no doubt that Dallas, it's, it's, it's eligible and we'll get into any of those schools that, that he chooses to go to. But we've been very intentional about taking him to the FAMU homecomings, taking him to the Howard homecomings, being on the Martha's Vineyard with all his black excellence. And so he's come to his own conclusion that he would like to have an HBCU experience, you know, having gone through the experience. And so it's, it's really about the exposure around the excellence and around see, having him see Black excellence, if you will, and to see that the stereotypes that are portrayed about our people are just that, stereotypes, and there's a whole other side to, um, to who we are. Um, that connectedness, the you know ability to to have self love and self worth, and the ability to see it. You know, we have a saying in our family that you know you 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 can't be it if you can't see it. And so, I think, man, for me, 
It's about creating that connectedness, seeing and appreciating. You know, we're, we're, we're not anti-white, right? We're not against anything of, of that nature, but there's a value in, um, there is an innate value in uh, representation and appreciation of your race and your culture. So that's a real experience that we're going through now with him. But for me, you know, I've had opportunities to go to um, predominantly white universities, but, you know, um, growing up in South Florida and um, just pretty much seeing one side of um, the Black experience, you know, I wanted to see another side. I wanted to see, um, you know, professional corporate executives who look like me, who navigated in that space and who still appreciated and represented the authenticity of being a Black American. But I think it's just such huge value, man, in being around like-minded people. The other thing that, that my experiences of going to a predominantly white grad school was just the level of support, um, the level of reinforcement of who we were, and uh, the level of preparing, preparing us to navigate in this white world um, that the HBCU experience provided for us that um, really, I think, helped to, to, to propel my career, and not to mention um, the amazing bonds and friendships that I've developed along the way. You know, I just, in that segment, I just learned something from you or, or, you know, got an idea is that, you know, for me, my son, he's in middle school, similar situation, I think in his grade, blacks make up 4%. Um, and so it's that exposure. Um, mm -hmm. I make sure to expose him the way he comes from. We don't have a lot of family here in Texas, but he spends quality time with his family as much as he can, just so he can know just where he came from. Um, Absolutely. And, and his lineage. But I think to your point, as we do talk about college, um, his dad's a gator, his mom's a gator, his circle, his media circle of uh, influence are all gators. So for sure, the University of Florida is, is on his radar. He gave me his life story when he's four or five that included uh, going to the University of Florida. But, and I don't begrudge that, right? You know, as no. long as it ain't Florida State, <laughs> um, he can, you know, carve his path, but I do want him to have that exposure so that he is able to make, um, an informed decision, uh, when that time comes. So, you know, shout out to you and Bianca for, you know, just the boy that you all are raising because Dallas is doing some great things. Hey, so, and it's Howard University's homecoming October 21st to the 23rd. Feel free to join us in Washington, <laughs> D.C. <laughs> I'll take that. I can take that back. I can take that back. All right. So the last piece, right, That or not the last piece, but the, another dynamic to our, our Black connection and, and organization, so to speak, is our fraternity. You um, accuse I'm a Sigma. I have my, I have my, stories from campus that are not necessarily appropriate for this show. Um, that's not, that's not the stuff we talk about on unsolicited genius. Uh, we, we will, we may have a show that covers all that later. Me and, me and my producer work through that. Invite, invite me back. I'll love to join that. <laughs> the X files of Greek life or something, but, um, it's what it does today. 
You know, we have the grad chapters, we have the formal dynamics that exist for life uh, within the fraternities. But for me, it's also my family. So where people who I may be blood relations to are other places have different levels of connection and availability. These group of cats that I call my fraternity brothers are bonded. We are bonded for life. And for life. they're my son's uncles. Um, their children are my nieces and nephews. Most of us don't spank anymore, but if it came down to it, any of them could get put over the lap. Um, and so I find that whatever disconnect that may still be occurring in my life, that this bond, this connection that I committed to, for me, I think I was 19, um, has surpassed time. You know, we we are in each other's wills. You know what I mean? And And I can't imagine who I am, what I would be doing without my fraternity brothers. Absolutely. What what does Q resonate <laughs> to for you today? So I'll tell you, that I love, I, I could just say ditto, right? Ditto, because I'm here today with my line brother, right? My line brother, our families, we're here from Office Vineyard, you know, four or five years in, in the running. Uh, um, I have business uh, uh, property investments, right? Two of my line brothers, okay? Um, um, one of my, my writing a book, right? One of my line brothers. So let me tell you, man, it is these gentlemen, um, for me personally, the story and the connectedness to the fraternity and my line brothers is all about brotherhood, right? Manhood, scholarship, perseverance, uplift of the cardinal principles of Omega Sapphi. And um, that manhood component is very important. Fortunately or unfortunately, you and I have very similar upbringings, raised by moms, right? Dads around, but not around. And so having that positive influence of manhood in your life, whether that's from um, a mentor, a mentee, but from a brother, someone on the same level as you, like-minded, equally yoked, similar attainment, has been a pivotal in my life and in every aspect of it, from marriage to um, fatherhood, uh, to being a son, being a Christian, the whole nine. These men, um, there's there's nine of us. So these eight other men are, are very important to my life and they hold a very, very special bond in my life. And they are truly brothers, right? And so I think those of us who are in fraternities and sororities, um, you know, feel that, you know, you can't always, um, it's it's almost like you can't choose your, your family, but you can choose your friends and all. You you, you didn't choose those line brothers, Heck right? Someone no. chose Heck you know. <laughs> Someone chose them for you. And whether you, you get like who you not, get, baby. You get who you get. And luckily, God is amazing because I have eight amazing line brothers, but um, it is it is a, a, a brotherhood of love, a brotherhood of support, a, a amazing bond, and and um, I, I just I, I I just I don't know what my life would be without having pledged uh, Omega and the bonds that I have established. Awesome, 
All right, on that, we'll take a break and be right back. You are listening to Unsolicited Genius. Welcome back to Conversations with Carlton. I am with my esteemed guest, Roy Hawkins Jr. And, you know, as we've talked about, Roy, the, you know, Blackness, Black organization, um, I look at NFL. We're in preseason mode. And to know me is to know I love football. I'm excited. Then, as I was looking at a couple of the games um, in the last couple days, I was reminded about the lack of diversity in the coaching and to not see the GMs on the field, but remember all this discussion that we had ending last season about um, the lack of diversity, in particular that all the majority of the athletes on the field are black. And so in, in, in remembering that, I thought about our work environments where they don't reflect, whether it's being in healthcare, that the leadership doesn't reflect the community that it's in, um, the percentage of you know minority employees that an organization has isn't reflective necessarily in the C-suite in the boardrooms. And so in the NFL discussion, they talk about the decisions being up to the owners, but the owners not having that connection with those Black coaches or those that have the potential to be black coaches, black leaders for that organization. And I was like, are we talking about football or are we talking about corporation XYZ kind of project portraying, projecting that same excuse justification. Um, And so I wanted to bring it here to talk with you as a sports fan, as a professional, even as an entrepreneur, what is your perspective on that, that the lack of diversity is connected to the relationship that we do or don't have with the decision makers? Man, you are, I I love, uh, you are in fact a genius. Uh, I I love it. Um, The way that you frame questions, um, just the perspective. Carlton, that is it. That is the number one challenge and opportunity. We know that the world revolves around relationships. I am on your show today in the middle of my vacation because of a relationship. (laughs) I love you. You're my friend. There's nothing you can ask me to do that I wouldn't do. 
and I would do it with my eyes closed. So think about that. Think about that feeling. Think about that safety. Think about that, that there, there's so much that comes with these relationships. And so I don't, I don't judge anyone for wanting to do business with, um, to bond with, to promote, and to develop people based off of their relationships okay so let's just let's that's the floor okay i think the next the next level to that is as you look around your relationships you know how inclusive are you in those relationships how diverse are you in those perspectives i don't want all black friends i, I need to have friends from all over because i love food right i want to taste different things i want to travel to different places and so I'm very intentional about my relationships. And so that is the crux of the matter is there, there has to be an earnest attempt to establish relationships with folks outside of your usual and customary comfort and safety zone, right? And so it's a lot of our NFL players, well, shame on them, right? Because here it is, you have 75, 80% of your, your workforce that um are black and you don't have have the you don't have relationships with enough of them to begin to promote them into leadership roles within your organization right so that's not about finding the talent that's not about you know going somewhere and, and we can't find them they're right in right at your front door right there on your fields they're in your locker rooms um and and so there has to be an earnest attempt to want to establish those relationships, right? Because that's really where the magic happens, right? And so um, I, I don't, I think that it's a, it's, a, it's a cop out. I think that it is an excuse. I think that um, in our world, in my world, when I look around and I see who has ascended to leadership and some of the organizations, you know, it's, it's not people that look like you and I, right? We're few and far in between. But when you do the research, you find that there's some relationship with someone that they knew that right. was a decision maker. And, and, and that's, un fortunately and unfortunately, we know the game. Now we just have to, you know, we just have to make um, the connections um, and, and, and helping to change the dynamics of the game, man. But you know, you look around and it's, 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 it, I was just talking to a few people the other day and this, and one day four people were telling me that they're the first of, I'm the first of, right? It's like, why are we in 2022 saying I'm the first black to do anything, right? And so it's so we, we gotta, uh, we, we can't barge our way into the system. We can't barge our way. We can make sure that we're prepared that we're open to relationships and we really got to start working or well, finding ways for some of our um, white um, leaders and decision makers to, to want to have an interest in, in this, in this work. You know, there are people, uh, there's a national board movement that Joe Wilkes, Joe Wilkes through Nazi is leading. And, you know, what he's really doing is connecting with some of of the owners and chairmen of boards and some of these majority organizations and really, you know, having the conversation around the Black experience, Black excellence, and how to create those 
responds and how you prepare people like myself and others to be prepared to serve on boards, right? So you can see there's a there's a structured program here um, in place for, for, for us to develop minority candidates, black candidates in particular, but also getting these guys ready to establish these relationships with us because that really is where, where it all starts in the relationship space. So one of the things that you articulate, well, not one of the things, the crux of what you talk about in building those relationships, um, I appreciate where you talk about the foundation, right? It, it makes sense that people promote um, connect with the people that they have relationships with. But I guess as I sit here and, and hear everything you said, I, I try to be solution oriented and right. so a thousand percent agree with you. The NFL owners have no excuse. All these people that are in your organization, all these people that are on the field that you pay for, all these field con people connected with the entity that is your team there's no excuse for you to have that a relationship, more relationships. So for connecting and, and opportunities as they present. But what about the flip side? I was having a conversation recently, more of a, a social discussion, but it's the perspective that, you know, in a city like Austin, where it's very outgoing, very sociable, blacks make up the minority, but black people don't, thrive here because there's not enough black events there's not enough you know the question comes where the black people at and i'm like mm -mm. you know i know <laughs> where the music is i know where we could go catch the game i know where they make good drinks i know where they serve good food but to say definitively that this this place a thing where you're going to have a a large group of black people it happens, but it's not consistent. But should that alone be the thing that defines my social experience and connecting it professionally, are there things that we can do to help bridge the gap more effectively? You know, as you were talking, the one thing, and I know this isn't what you were saying, but what I heard you, what I what I hold on to, you know, we're not a monolithic people, right? And so all of us as black men don't watch sports. All of us don't like music. All of us don't want to hang out and drink, right? And so I think that we have to broaden our um, perspective about our social gatherings, right? So, because it is very, from, from, from where I am, and I'm in Charlotte, I can, even co co professional colleagues, same company, when the my white colleagues ask me to hang out, it's usually to do fishing or golf or hunting or something, right? When my black colleagues say let's hang out, it's a concert or a game or so I, it, the, the reality of the situation is, you know, we are similar, but very different. And I think that when we start to think about where people connect, where they spend their downtime, and that's where the relationships happen, right? 
I think we have a fundamental difference in what those things are because I, I can't tell you that I, I don't struggle sometimes when they say, let's go hunting. Well, I don't want to go hunting no damn deer or, you know, <laughs> you know, just pheasants. It's not my thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, but therein lies the opportunity, right? Not that we got to go hunting. How, how do we bring them over here and do these things and make these connections? And, and then to your earlier point about the black people in Austin, you know, like I'm here in Memphis, and there's thousands of black people. And I'm like, you know, here is black access. When you go back to your respective communities, where, where are we connecting and are we, and how are we connecting? And how are we making sure that we're being um, uh, diversity and inclusiveness of thought and of opportunity and of action? And I think that's where the miss occurs, man, because you can see it in church. You know, you go to any church on a Sunday, it's segregated. Right. Right? Right. You even go on any golf course, you know, it's, it's the white. It's, it's, it's in that social realm is where we have the biggest opportunity to create some shared experiences so that we can begin to forge those bonds. And you can see that, you know what, Carlton's exactly like you. He's a father, he's, you know, he's a successful business person. Here are things that, you know, it, it, that encourage him. He's, you know, so I don't know, man, but that, that is, to me, that's the biggest opportunity. And that's the challenge that, um, that I'm in the middle of right now um, in my work environment is the blacks and the whites and what we do and how do we bring everyone together in a meaningful, intentional and purposeful way. You know, and I, and I guess my takeaway um, amongst everything is to be open. Um, be I open. think, you know, I don't hunt, but I will go golf. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't been fishing in a long time, but mm -hmm. that's something that I would do that's outside of my norm. I mean, mm -hmm. you're right. Everybody doesn't get behind concerts. Everybody doesn't get behind sporting events, but the vast majority of everybody does have something that decompresses them. Everybody has some hobby that, that invigorates them. And so in wanting to connect to somebody specific, go visit with them In wanting to connect period. Yeah. Go someplace that you wouldn't normally go. Right. Um, because right. I find that in my experience, again, here in Austin, they haven't, well, they, the pandemic interrupted the schedule, but I, South by Southwest is, is that event for me. You know, as it exists on paper and what I've seen, the Miami, you know, boy be like, mm, nah, but <laughs> living here, it kind of being that, that event that premier event for the city man to connect to that man i i one of the one year i went i had the best time of my yeah. life between yeah. the people i went with the new connections i made the events that i ran into the performers that i ran into some of the rooms that i was in you know you never know who you're gonna yeah, meet you never know how you as much as we may see each other on a consistent basis in a work environment, seeing ourselves without the suit and tie on, you just never know how you might vibe, but it's been open enough to allow for that opportunity and not necessarily expecting everybody to meet you where you are, even if it is the place that is most comfortable. 
sometimes we got to, yeah. not even sometimes, right? Life begins when we step outside of that comfort when you zone. Step out. You know, you know, you you we've talked about Gene earlier and um very successful healthcare executive and in the midst of a pandemic decided to write it out write it out, right? And I I what the going on that the limited amount of the journey that I have been on with him, but through my eyes, that journey has been one where at his album release party, it was all races, all culture, everyone there, because what he did was outside of being a CEO of an organization, he brought together the lovers of music, right? And so all of the people from the organization that he knew and had come to learn and love to, to music, he brought them together. And I can't tell you how many doors on a personal level that's open for me being in that room, right? I'm a lover of music. Here's another guy that I would have never known, you know, seven, 65 year old white man that I would have never known was a lover of jazz and R&B, right? But coming into that environment, I knew that. And so now the, the, the relationship has allowed us to, to forge some things forward um, exponentially faster than we would have been able to do had we not established that relationship early on. And so I, I will tell you that that is my two um, simple words for uh, where we are as a country is uh, as it relates to race relation. The first is relationships. And I mean it to the core of who I am. We have to develop these relationships. The second um, is, um, you know, um, being able to um, be intentional about um, uh, where we are, where we're going, and what we know and what we don't know, right? But being very intentional about those conversations and those relationships. And so I think uh, that's what's going to help. Oh, and from the intentional perspective, right, is being inclusive. So like my leaders is interesting now, I've been there for a year, but my question to them always before I give an answer is who was at the table and who needs to be at the table for this decision? And it's forcing them to be inclusive, right? It's you can't solve for a thing if you don't have the right people at the table. So relationships, intentionality, and being um, inclusive um, is, is, is really what it's going to take to move us uh, forward. Okay. All right. So I'll let you transition us on that. You talk about Gene and music and how people connect. So what are you listening to these days? Man, you know, I, I, you know, I was thinking about that, listening to your uh, other podcast, and like, well, I, my music taste is so eclectic. And um, one of my favorite uh, artists is a guy named Ray Lamontagne, Ray Lamontagne, and he he's awesome, right? He's a a, a white guy, um, folk singer, kind of um, R and B. But that's who I'm listening to. Um, looking at my playlist right now. I've been listening to Nas, old school Illmatic Nas, right? That's been that's been in the rotation uh, on the trip. Dallas put me on the uh, Brent um, Fires. Have you heard about Brent Fires? Yeah, my, uh, my goddaughter, my god, yeah. you know, I, I that's my intro, or not even intro. It's the conversation piece I like to have just to understand what people are listening to. Maybe yeah. I might learn something, and she yeah, put me man, on to him. 
But let me tell you what was an amazing, a recent amazing um, opportunity for me. I went to the Nazi CEO conference in um, Vegas a couple months, May. Mm-hmm. Man, I got a chance to see my favorite girl, Anita Baker. That's mm. my favorite girl. Front row, brother. It was Man. it was a treat and a joy of a lifetime. So I listen to it all. I'm listening to everything. It all depends on what the what the vibe is and having a 15 year old son, you know, put me on the all this this new music, you know, you know. Oh, and then my favorite one of my favorite rappers, and it's a little raunchy, so don't judge me, but Future. I'm all about like future. future. Oh man, I'm all about ah. future. Future, my best friend in my head, man. <laughs> yeah. Me, Andre, three thousand, and Big Boy and Future, we riding out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So you said a few things. One, I I, I want to come back to Anita Baker, but with Future, you know, I love his hooks. I love he features, and I think you know, as he gets propped for being a new, unique sound, unique voice. I dig that, but uh, every time I die to dive into one of his his albums, man, I'm checked out, you know, halfway through. Here's a, a recommendation: do the um, Apple Essentials. Okay, okay. Do the Apple Essentials, okay. right? They got all the hits, and it, it's a flow, it's a vibe. I agree with you. Like, I'm a huge fan. But I haven't listened through that whole last CD because it takes me too many different places. But the essentials, you know, that's all yeah, the best I, of the best. I can, you know, I'm, all, I'm always for evolving. I, I, you know, I like Future, <laughs> and again, he, I think he has unique voice, unique style. But the albums just don't get it for me. Yeah. So yeah, um, you talked about Anita Baker. I, I laugh because I love her too. Ooh. But the story, I fell in love. Uh, when I was in, I want to say college, and it was a, a New Year's Eve concert that she did, and my mama made me go. So you know how, whatever age, whether you 5, 45, 50, 65, you know, you had that thing and your mama made you go. Mm-hmm. Man, I wanted to kick it with my friends. It's New Year's yeah. Eve. She, yeah. you know, she had bought the ticket, so it wasn't even no option. So I was in there pouting, um, but when she got on stage looking glamorous and the band was playing and the lights and you hear her voice fill the auditorium through the mic, I was like, okay, then I'm going to like Absolutely. it. I'm going to like it. That's my and girl when right she, there. <laughs> when she did No More Tears, man, oh, I, it took everything. One of my favorites. Man, it took everything for me not to go to the front of the stage and just be like, Yep, one of my favorites. That's my girl. Man, I tell you, I, I looked into it too because I didn't I didn't know she was there. Went online, saw she was there, man. And I I one seat, you know, this is me. So one seat front row. I was uh, all just looking up in space all night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, her glamour, her beautiful. style, her her voice. Oh man, yeah, voice. beautiful voice. woman, beautiful musician, just just yeah. beautiful vibe and everything that she does cool 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 so have you so the game he just came out yesterday have you had a chance to listen to that at all and there's another like i if you god this is this you might pull my black card if you ask me right now to tell you one game song i probably don't that's okay you know it's it's it's, we got our thing right 
You know, right. so it's right. no judgment. But if you have a chance, it's I'm a grown, listen. it's a grown man's album. It's 31 songs, so it's long, Ooh. but he has a lot of features. So it, it's almost like it's a, it's a structured compilation so that we're not overwhelmed with uh, the game, but the production is tight. The features are tight. And I mean, he Download. got Look, he got, that, he got that Rick Ross. And, and then he got a track, as we've talked about race relations. Now, I ain't going to spoil it for you, but he goes in on Eminem. Um, I think the song well, is well, I'm the I'm Black the, Slim I, Shady that, or something, brother. Listen, it's we could have a I'm whole the, episode, a couple episodes to kind of break down the dynamics and the nuance that the game speaks to with with his perspective and relationship with Eminem. So I leave it at that. Check it out. It Don't skip to I'll... Eminem song. Just let it let it come to you. Um, but I, I give build him a up. clap clap. I give game a clap clap for for what he just released. Well, I got a long travel day tomorrow back down south, so that's okay. gonna be my all right. Yeah, do that. Listen. All right, so that's what you're listening to. What are you watching these days? <sighs> Man, you know, I, I've never been much of a big TV watcher, but with working in Charlotte and the family still in Fort Lauderdale, going back and forth, I find myself a lot of free time. So I've been watching all kind of weird stuff, man. But, you know, there's this show on, you ever watched this show called The Old Man? Oh, it's I like heard, I've... I, my Facebook family talk about yeah, it. I yeah, haven't no seen good. it yet. That's what I'm watching. Two things. I'm watching the old man, and uh, I'm watching uh, City on the Hill. I have I have started reading a couple books, maybe a couple years ago, by Don Winslow, and he has this whole crime series, but it's really about dirty cops, right? And they just happen to be dirty cops in Boston, Massachusetts, somewhere, and and how they are just dirty cops. And so there's a movie, a series out now called City on the Hill um, that is really good and it's about dirty cops. So that that has been um, what I've been watching, but more importantly, what, what I'm really interested in it is some of the most difficult and challenging race relations um, in our history have been between Black people and the Irish people in Massachusetts and in Boston and learning just about the history behind that and, you know, how as immigrants, the Irish folks were poor and, you know, didn't have much. And uh, during the time where integration occurred and then they had to share the little bit that they did have with Black. It was, it's just very interesting to me. So I'm all into this Boston Dirty Cops, City on the Hill show, City on Fire book, all of the above is what was what I'm reading these days. Okay. All right. What do you, you read? What are you reading? What am I reading? What am I watching? Because I, I What are you guess, watching? Uh, Sorry. Um what am I watching? I you know, I'm not watching any series or anything right now. Um, I, I've, I've been traveling and doing some things, but I've been getting kind of, I've been in this space where I've been watching old movies. 
Uh, so what I just watched last night was I say old, some of them old Terminator back in the 80s, but oh, yeah. five I watched Hustle and Flow. Um, you know, kind of predicated on some of the stuff that I'm doing with my pro coaching practice. I've been, you know, in this motivated, inspirational stage. So I've just been, you know, wanting to maintain that energy. And I often, people say, what are you doing? I tell them I'm hustling and flowing. Just, you know, that's just my, I like my, my cash I like So I said, well, let me, let me play. Let me watch my boy DJ again for the, you know, umpteenth time. And, you know, I don't know what uh, it I'm is. Like it's like something that you've seen a hundred times. You watch it that hundred and one time and you pick up on something different. And when I tell you, man, that hustle and flow, I was, it, it, it just inspires me so much because one, I love music from the South. I love to just make it bumpity, bumpity, bump. And so I thought the production, the music, uh, Three Six Mafia won an Oscar uh, for mm -hmm. soundtrack for music and all mm -hmm. that stuff. So that part is hype in and of itself. But, you know, from where he was and, and what he perceived his life to be, that one track where he said, it ain't over for me. That was so impactful because despite the lifestyle, despite the lack of resources, despite the reality in front of him, his heart was telling him something different. And rather Absolutely. than settle in the fear, because he he there was a scene where somebody used the word scared. And DJ, the main character, he didn't even want to hear it. Like, yeah, I'm not even to talk about scared. What's scared? Knowing he was scared. But then fast forward in the movie where he needs all the courage juice that he that that he can get gather to step out. He says, I'm not scared because he operating on faith. He operating right. his heart. And That's he it. knows despite his hustle and legalities and the appropriateness or lack thereof in what he was doing, they developed a skill, they iron sharpened iron. So his sword was being sharpened in this space and he brought those skills and abilities to this space in order to pursue what was in his heart. And so that, yeah, you know, amongst everything, um, like I said, watching that last night, it had me back up in my fields. And well, and I can see, I can see the inspiration. I can see the parallel in the storyline, the passion, and knowing you personally, right? Where yes. you are, your journey. Yes. Right. So yes. I love it. I love, I love when we can create when we can create those connections. And what I what I am going to challenge you to watch too. We talked about early before we started, but. You need to watch the ink well so you can get ready for your yeah, Martha's Vineyard. And, and Wes, when you when you mentioning you out in Martha's Vineyard, it's been a long time since I saw it. That would fall but, into the space that I'm in. I'm I'm wanting to go backwards. You know, anything yeah, before yeah, two thousand, yeah. I'm wanting yeah. to reconnect with because I either haven't seen it as long in a long time, or there's some messages that resonate today um, yeah. that I I want to make sure that I pick it, pick up on because it's all art and it's always available. Uh, for us to get to. Yep, for sure. Right, so That's what it's all about. Well, all right. I, I, you see, where I, I'll find it somewhere. iTunes, Apple. Somebody got it out there. Somebody yeah. got it. Google. All right. <laughs> so uh, I'll get you out of here on this. What are you reading? 
So again, um, I'm reading a couple things. I talked to you about the um, the City on Fire kind of novel, but from an uplift perspective, I am reading um, the 1619 Project, which is just amazing. Actually, Nicole uh, Hannah Jones was just out here at the Little Morehouse gathering uh, yesterday. I just saw her um, reading the 1619 Project. Jean has challenged a few of us. Uh, uh, black um, leaders in the organization to read a book called 400 Souls. Um, it's really just, you know, you know the story, right? It's about our journey um, as from slavery to now. Um, and what I'm listening to as a book is the Will Smith um, biography. I'm almost done with that. So those are the three things that are in some stages of uh uh, finalization. I'm almost done with those, but yeah, man, it's really been interesting to to read about the 1619 project. That's really where my heart is right now. Understanding that that history, um, and then listening to to my boy Will and how he grew up and what led up to all of the drama that he's enthralled in now. So yeah, I, I haven't read the book. I've gotten it's it's on the list. Um, but it's interesting based on what I understand um, is in it. It's amazing just how all these things are connected, all of who we are, all of what we do. Like, you know, in, in 1980-something, Golden Glades Apartments, Miami, Florida, podcast ah, wasn't no word, ah, right? Let no, alone that I, no. this, this Miami Norland boy be sitting across from this Carroll City boy talking our talk, living our lives, fulfilling our dreams in these capacities. You know what I mean? And it's and there's a reason for this. And at minimum, God knew, right? God knew uh, people in our circle, in our community, didn't know it would be this, but they knew we would be doing something. Um, all just predicated on who we are and what our hearts told us uh, we were going to be. So... Um, I, Will is on my list, and especially no, now, no fear, no fear but faith, no yeah. fear but faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. You go, you got me wanting to download Hustle and Flow now. I'm gonna check out. Oh, it's, it's. Uh, I watched I, it a you few know, times. I, I, I rented it, so I got like 20 more hours before it expires. So I might, I, yeah. I'd have ran it through twice, if I'm being honest. You know, buddy, uh, you, should have bought, you might as well buy the damn thing by now, bro. Like, you just go ahead and buy it. It's just yeah, weird, you know, you know. Go ahead. I'm like that, like, and this is it's not a, a an inspiring story, but my favorite movie is Life. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's it's, all, it's 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 on every device I have, because whenever I'm down or want to laugh, I just, whoop. Which Just one? Right I what movie? Life. Oh, life. life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, life. You know, say you're watch right. One more time, bro. Say life. One more. Say watch. One more time. <laughs> Listen. You know, I think it's owning something that I can't touch. It's still yeah. weird for me. So yeah. to buy it, because yeah. I feel like in a lot of ways, I feel that there's this undertone that they could take it away from me at any time just because it's, it's, it's digital. Because it's out there in the cloud. Yeah, it's in the cloud. I can't <laughs> touch it. So, but you're right. Look, uh, I, I need to go ahead and buy it because it is in any given No, let time. me. That's your Christmas gift. That's your Christmas gift. I'm going <laughs> to send you your own. Don't buy it. I got you. All right. That'll I'm work. Send you, that'll I'm going to send you your, I'll take your that. hustle and flow. I'll take that. <sighs> <laughs> well, all right, my brother. 
Um, I love you. No doubt. No doubt about that. Um, thank you for coming on Conversations with Carlton, the Unsolicited Genius production. Um, you know, proud of you. I brag about you all the time. Um, I know somebody that, right? And so, um, you know, keep doing what you do because you're not going to make you, a difference for your family. You, sir, are having influence on the planet. Um, and I, I, I'm so proud to to be able to be connected to you, call you my friend. And so I just want the world to Love see you, that, that you out here doing your thing. And, and, and they got some books to listen to. They got some music to listen to. And they That's got right. some relationships that they uh, can go forward being intentional about. So thank right. you for joining us. And um, we'll keep at it. Amen. Thank you. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure. And to our to your listening audience, remember, he ain't heavy. Reach back as we climb. One love. Amen. All right. Thank you all for joining us. Conversation with Carlton. We'll catch you next time. Wherever we are, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, like. If it's something to be liked, subscribe if it's something to be subscribed to and follow. Um, that's how we grow our reach. It's how we grow our brand.